Well, if you're looking for me for technical advice, that's the absolute last thing you want yeah. to try to accomplish because we will be here for sad, another. Sad, sad shape. So this is new. I'm new to this, if you can't tell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No idea what I'm doing, basically. Just talking to a microphone like I normally do. Yeah, yeah this is uh, that's perfect. That's perfect. Um, this is the Kingstone Financial Podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about all things investments. Which I know is going to really, really be exciting for everybody. <laughs> so if you, if you guys are waiting to be having socks blown off, just prepare yourself. Because this is, this is, it's, in, it's really interesting stuff if you really want to be bored out of your mind out of time. What? However, you might, you'll be rich and bored out of your mind, I guess. So that's really the point. That's the main point here, yeah. And, you know, we get... There are a lot of people that want to hear about the stuff we do, how we do it, topics, and not that they want to like mimic everything, but there's a lot of people that, for whatever reason, are intrigued by this stuff, and they want to talk about, you know, so we kind of talk about, we'll talk about what we do and how we do it and how to make your life better. Yeah, I think, uh, I think what's really either interesting or sad with this whole situation is that uh, people just want, Andrew and I talk to each other in the office and or on the phone for about eight hours a day, mm-hmm. mostly mindlessly, aimless right. information going back and forth amongst each other. Each, mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. And apparently people actually want to hear this, apparently. They actually enjoy That's what so we're actually told. talking about. And they actually want to actually have us do this. So we're not doing this because we're, we're, we're bored, because uh, we have a lot of things going on, but this is actually <laughs> something that we actually, you know, people have asked us to do this, so... The fact that I talk a lot already, this should be a natural fit, and so you'll probably never yeah, hear totally. Andrew on this thing going forward from this point forward. Which is, which, is, which is better. It's all around better. Don't, don't do and I won't make any points. I'll just talk a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the key to the whole situation. Well, I think we should start by, I think you should start introducing yourself. What do, who are you? What do you do? Why do you do it? Oh, well. Uh, and the why do you do it, I think, is the critical piece, because that's the main, like... Well, first off, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a little bit upset by the fact that it's, we, we haven't decided on whether or not we're going to call it the Kingstone podcast or we're going to call it Compound Interest. So I'm not sure if I'm <laughs> compound or interest. I'm not sure which one that is. So um, the fact <laughs> is... <laughs> I'm either compound or interest. I'm not sure which one it is. But uh, the fact is that, you know, so, so my name is Kenny Blattenbauer. Uh, I am, uh, I guess, what people would, would consider the... President. Do you have this problem? Do you have this problem all the time? People like you know, nice guy at the gr- at a restaurant at church, whatever. Like, hey, so what do you do? Um, well, know, like, <laughs> you got an hour. I, I'd love to be able to tell you in 15 seconds. However, it's you know, it'll con- it'll only confuse you if I do it. So, I'm uh, like I said, my name's Kenny Blattenbauer. I'm the I guess president and CEO is my official title of Kingstone uh, Financial. Uh, Kingstone Financial is the a financial services company that, that I'd started a number of years ago. And uh, my partner in crime, Andrew Carroll, across from me, who, again, we have not decided if he's going to be compound or interest. We'll get to that. And he'll have, he'll have music, everything. It'll all be really good. <laughs> but at this point, um, he's our COO of the company. And I guess more importantly, what did I start? why did I start this? Well, I worked for a big-name firm when I first came to San Diego about 12 years ago or so. And I'll say that I think the 
reason I'm doing what I'm doing today is because I realize there's a value in the advice and the structure in terms of what we try to help people with, which is essentially to uh, be smart with their money, invest it well for them, uh, be a good steward of their financial health for both themselves and their families. Um, and the firm that I was, the big firm that I was previously a part of, just uh, did not necessarily teach me, it taught me a lot of stuff, but probably in a different way than most people would think. And they, I think they taught me what not to do more so than what to yeah. do. And so it essentially eliminated everything we shouldn't do right. <laughs> if you really want to be uh, a trusted advisor, uh, you know, a true friend uh, to the clients and, and a real fiduciary to the people that you're working with. So they really taught me what not to do. And that firm will be left unnamed, I guess, for the time being until we get a, until we get a sign-off from them that we can actually say their name online. Cause I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I wanted to fame them, but uh, the fact is that they—it uh, was interesting. They, a lot of the is stuff it they, defamation if it's true. Well, that's a very good point, actually. <laughs> it's probably a topic in and of itself. And if anyone wants like with defamation, defamation, that's probably a good topic because it certainly wasn't. It certainly is true. This information that I'm telling you, but um, how not to do things was really what I learned from them. And so, basically, Kingstone, in and of itself, is pretty much based in all of the theory that uh, don't do some of the things that these big firms told you to do. Well, I, I think it's... You and I both have very similar origin stories from different directions, different backgrounds. Um, and those different origin stories is the, is the concept, like you said, of I learned, spent a lot of time... I worked for a retail financial planning outfit and a CPA firm and learned a whole lot about, like... Both Kenny and I at various times have just kind of said, wait... There's, there's huge infrastructures in place. Wall Street is a massive, massive machine. The financial huge. services industry has... And, and there's so much momentum in them. There's so much inertia in everyone doing stuff the way it's always been done. And Ken and I both at various points in our careers just kind of sat up and went, wait a minute, this is, this is dumb. We don't have to do it this way. We could just do it this way, and it's better for the clients, better as advisors, it's better for everybody if you just do stuff this way. And that's kind of what the... The whole spirit of Kingstone is just sitting up and saying, this, this isn't that hard. This makes no sense. This makes no sense. <laughs> and, this is and the most idiotic way to do this right now. Why are we doing people, this? Yeah, and, and <laughs> especially in the financial world, they're, paying, they're making you pay for access to information in a lot of ways, right? And, Absolutely are. And they've inflated up what they do. They've inflated up the value. They've inflated up their, their intelligence and smarts and abilities to trick people into Show thinking. Show for knowledge. Like, yeah, exactly. Show for knowledge. We'll and, share and that story at some point. That's a good story. We can start there. And all around this whole concept of like, oh, this mystique of this stuff isn't that hard. It can be complicated. And there's definitely some nuances to it. I'm not saying that running a high-end financial plan or running a family office like that is easy. But it doesn't need to be a big, mysterious, you have to pay a million dollars to the gatekeeper to try to get this stuff. Like we can, we just sit down, do the work, and you can help people. I feel like the financial services industry in general, when it really took off, was you know the 1920s and 30s. It was obviously established prior to that, but I feel like they took a page out of the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yeah, okay. and it's a good, it's a they point. were basically the wizard behind the curtain, which is some old riggedy guy pulling some strings and you know spinning a wheel and you know whatever. And and that's really the financial service. And I think that they modeled a lot of that business model off of that. I feel like, and I can't prove that, but uh, I think if you just well, sat back and looked at it objectively, you would think the same thing. 
Well, because you end up finding out that, like, most of the stuff and the, oh, I have special strategies for people. Like, there's, like, six things. And, yeah, it's, like, 95% smoke and mirrors. Yeah, most of it's the same stuff uh, for the most part, just packaged differently. It's really became a marketing game, I guess, really, is what, it, is what the financial services industry is for the most part. It's a marketing game. There's some tr certainly some tried and true uh, things in terms of how you go about uh, running money, investing money, different types of structures, that stuff from a tax standpoint. And I don't want to sit here and, and try to devalue what we do because the, the issue is that there is a lot, there's a lot to it, but it's certainly an art and a science at the same time. But... Um, yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you know, the big firms are, are massive, massive infrastructures, and you know they're set in their ways. They're more marketing, and they're more marketing machines than they are value-adding services. Uh, that is true. They're that for the masses, yes. For the very, very, I'll say, high-end elite uh, individuals, um, you know, they can do some very, they can do a lot of good things for them. But with that being said, I mean. I just think the way they go about doing it, maybe their processes, their procedures, um, how they say things can and can't be done or the way they should be done, just doesn't necessarily always make sense. And it's usually not in the, it's not, you, if you're not, if you don't fit into the box, um, you're, it's essentially not gonna work. So it, it, that's, I think it's frustrating because anyone who has a, a piece of common sense and doesn't drink the Kool-Aid, however, I was one of those Kool-Aid drinkers for about five or six years, um, if you don't drink the Kool-Aid uh, and you just sit back and look at it objectively as far as how to get a, how to maximize the situation, how to best serve the client, you can certainly uh, do a lot of things, if not everything with them without the infrastructure. But yeah, so that's how all these big financial services companies have made their money is getting everybody, and this is not just financial services, this is not just investments and mutual funds and things like that. This is also banks, we could, we could do a whole podcast on what's wrong with banks. Um. <laughs> I don't know if we're going to do ourselves any favors by working <laughs> with banks if we call them out on this. But um, but it's all about getting if you're not and if you're not in the box, you know, then you're basically screwed in in all ways in all cases. And there's this market of like, there's a huge there's a huge number of people that are well served by being fit in the box. Get your costs lower, you get automated services. Oh, yeah. And and that is and that helps. It's but the credit card company credit cards right. model. Credit credit score model, which is yeah, just exactly. like fit everyone in a box so we can process more and yeah. make and it, it gets, take, and take the thinking out of it. In a lot of cases it keeps if you need basic stuff, it keeps your costs lower, it probably does you some good. But if you need anything different, anything, even remotely outside the box, it be the level of complexity like increases by an order of magnitude, which seems, going back to our theme of this is stupid and it shouldn't be this hard, um, is just because I want to do one little thing outside the box or my life is just slightly more complicated than the average, all of a sudden it becomes a hundred times more difficult to work with? That well, or impossible. Or impossible. Right. And so kind of what it's very we... Easy to, it's very easy for, for, for an analyst or for a guy to decline somebody for no reason just yeah. because they don't really want to put the work in. Right, and it's which um, is your normal answer, <laughs> right? No, <laughs> unless you can drag it. Yeah, and so that's kind of what we do with Kingstone. So a lot of what we, we so um, over the course of this podcast, since this is the first inaugural intro episode, we'll talk about how we do that in a lot of ways, right? How strategies, how we approach stuff, how to approach all the stuff: taxes, investing, 
um, strategies, business, all that kind of good jazz. Our thinking in general. Our thinking. Yeah, and, and it all is predicated upon that concept of people whose lives are that got a little more complicated, but it doesn't need to be that complicated. Um, how you serve in that area, how you work in that area, how you get stuff done in that area. Well, that's interesting. The, uh, you know, most people shy away from complexity. In fact, that's, I think that's one of the things that we, uh, I think we, we try to look for. There's a story that somebody told me uh, many years ago, uh, maybe not that many years ago, but a number of years ago, and he was a, uh, a runner in, in cross country in high school, and um, he wasn't very good, quite frankly. <laughs> he, just, he, was kind of, he was like, oh, I was kind of small, not very athletic, et cetera. And so he was just getting, he just wasn't, it just wasn't working out. And so the coach said, you know, you got you to try to separate yourself out and do something differently. And so what he did is he learned how to, uh, he really trained uh, by running uphill. He, he, was an, he, he mastered uphill running, which is a lot harder for people, most people to do. But the reason he did that is because uh, it was it was more difficult. Once you start running straight, it's all yeah. Like and I mean, hero. like you know, so like the stuff that he really he looked he took his uh, he took what you know, what a lot of people shy away from doing, which was you know making things harder on themselves. Like in cross country, you're usually trying to res- conserve energy, etc., that kind of stuff. And, and going uphill is is difficult. And he accelerated at that and really trained for that, and really looked forward to that. And that's actually how he won the races. So in the same essence at Kingstone. We're really looking for the complexity. We like complexity. Complexity for us is actually, that's good for us. We actually add a lot of value when you have a complex situation. Maybe you have multiple operating entities. Maybe you have multiple trusts. Maybe you have, you know, a multi-generational family or you're going through a liquidity event or I, I don't know, whatever it is. There's a, there, it's, instead of just your basic, you know, kind of, hey, I want to roll an IRA over, which is perfectly fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But I'm not sure how much value we truly add outside of maybe some investment philosophy stuff that we do, we run. I'm not sure what else we, we really bring to the table on that because uh, if there's not a lot of intellectual analytical thinking that has to go on with it for us, I just don't know where we, we don't fit in. And, and that's, our, that's our niche. That's our box. We've accepted complexity and made that uh, what most people would shy away from as a weakness and made it a strength for us. And that's actually where we thrive. And so, Yeah. And in financial services world, it's an area that's being disrupted a lot right now because the value proposition like you've talked about is tough and you're getting this big schism between schism you know schism is that schism? A, what what is that, that a professional that? Yeah, it's a, it's a it might be a word i just it was, I'm googling that was, that was impressive though that's all schism a split or division between strongly opposed sections or parties the schism in the financial services industry creates a chasm. So not only do we add value on the financial side, they can you can help people with Scrabble. It's amazing. Like word we're of the us. day. Oh, I couldn't spell the word. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the best part about the best part of vocabulary or Scrabble and using weird words that nope, not a lot of people use on a database is that they don't know how to spell them either. So it doesn't really matter as long as it looks <laughs> right. So there you go. You see this with the fee compression. People are demanding more value for lower fees. Um, see the robo-advisors taking it out. And a lot of people think, especially in our space, like, oh, you do investments. You must hate robo-advisors. I go, no. I love robo-advisors. Because it's 98 people that aren't going to call me. <laughs> oh, yeah. That I, Absolutely right. That I can't do. Because right? I really only want those two clients. Right? Those two clients out of 100 
is where all the is where, for us it's where all the complexity is, which is where all the value is. And in a business, the value is where the profit is. That's those are those tend to be directly correlated. The more value you're creating, the more profit you're creating. Yeah, absolutely. We're not. We're we're, we're certainly not going to be able to. Uh, market to the masses for sure or no i don't think yeah. nor that we would or know that we'd want to and i think you're seeing less and less on that unless you are you know a three a trillion dollar fidelity or whatever they are right. and whatever size vanguard is and yeah that, that masses for them is is absolutely but they only become they're only profitable because of of scale not because of right. margin they're they're living off of it's like amazon three trillion dollars yeah, they're, they're living off of they're like amazon's model which is I'll lose money on all my <laughs> just to get just you to in. get you in and make money on the backside. They're not. I mean, once you're once you're hooked on that sweet that sweet sweet prime pantry edge or prime prime juice, then you, you never right. leave. <laughs> Can't get away from Amazon, man. Things gonna take over the world. But it's, <laughs> when you're looking at advisors, and this is not unique. Well, it is a little bit unique to Kingstone, but we're building. You know, we build Kingstone with this understanding. But we're not. We're certainly not the only people on earth that have done this. That have split the industry Certainly apart not. and have said, "There's lots of, but there's your advisor down the street that you used to buy mutual funds from. He's getting pushed one of two ways. Either he's getting hammered on fees constantly, and his standard of living is going to go down, and therefore he's going to have to take on more clients, doing more stuff, which means your level of service is going to drop. Or they're pushing up market. They're doing the kind of things that we do, which is go. Let's find those two people out of a hundred that really need." some good value-adding activity and can and, and need that hands-on custom you know implementation of stuff and let let the automation handle the other 98 they're better off we're better off the clients are better off um, but people that are not moving one of those two directions um, are going to be in a hard spot and I think even as consumers people that buy financial services it's important to understand this differential and understand the way this market's moving so you understand how to get what you need and how you're going to pay for it and what you should expect from that stuff, right? Well, I think that's, I think you're, you're spot on. If you look at the financial industry, particularly the investment management industry in particular, I think you see that you're starting to see fee compression. You're starting to see people get kind of, you know, you're, you're starting to see fees go down, either from a tra transactional standpoint, for sure. Um, and then even on the what the advisor can charge. The advisor has to now be able to add something and justify more than just, hey, I have an allocation model. You should buy this mutual fund through me. Despite the fact that you can buy the mutual fund anywhere on the face of the earth, you can, but you don't want to buy it through me, which now becomes a qualitative question versus a quantitative question. And the problem is that most of these guys, gals too, sorry, this day and age, it is 2018, gals too, right. the model has always been quantitative. What have you done for me? What has my return been, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. Well, it's, it's, it's now not only quantitative, but it's qualitative because I can get the same quantitative results going somewhere else and pay less, which in theor theory means I'm actually making more. Yeah. Um, or you're going to have to do something more for me that's going to add and justify the fact that you're charging me more than I can get down the street. And the model up until this point for many, many years has been, you know, a standardized model for the most part. And because mm -hmm. the financial industry does not want to change, 
Hence, kind of going back to our original comments, which is, this doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This seems really stupid. Like, why are we looking at it like this? Um, don't know why we do that. It doesn't make a lot of sense. And it's, it's unfortunately, for a lot of those people, a lot of the people on the, on the you know, there's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with being fee-based. In fact, I, I, I promote fee-based. I, I think you should be fee-based right. or fee-only, for that matter. However, you got to be able to bring something else to the table outside of an asset allocation model that anyone can get now just going online to the one of the, you know, 50 free, right. you know, asset allocation companies or whatever you go to, and they don't need you for anything anymore, and you're not do providing any more value beyond that. So in talking about, um, you're talking about creating value and how you add value as a person, you know, the, the obvious, well, Benjamin Graham is the father of value, but... but the, the patron saint of Kingstone is also a value guy, right? Oh my God! Yeah, it's like it's not. Let's not talk too much about it. We might have to. This, this episodes two through forty-seven <laughs> will be <laughs> Kenny talking about Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger, his right-hand man. Right, right. Berkshire, Berkshire. The it's whole basically Berkshire an equal. Happened. It's an equal love I have for. I mean, I love Warren maybe just a little bit more, but I love Charlie's like absolutely. I think Charlie's one of the funniest guys. On the, on the place of the earth. I really do. I, I think, you know, as Charlie would call it, he's, he's never been accused of not being smartassery, I guess. That was his, that's a quote from him. <laughs> now, you're going to have to figure out all the double negatives, but basically, <laughs> that's Charlie Munger for you. Yeah. You got to love the guy. I mean, he's, you got to love him. I mean, you got to love them both, really. There's no way not to love them, I Did, guess. Has Charlie's net worth gone up as much as um, Warren's? Say I'm sorry? Has Charlie's net worth gone up? Because Warren's worth, what, $80 billion, something like that? $84, $85 billion, depending on the day, I Roughly, guess. Roughly, you know. Roughly. Not that you're keeping track. The problem is that, it, the, problem is that the, the new gap rules really oh. kind of sway his net worth on a daily basis because now they've got to take the mark-to-market of all the equities inside the insurance companies. So mm -hmm. that, makes, that, changes, that swings on a daily basis, where before they would just show book value on a quarterly basis. But... Has Charlie Munger's net worth went up? No, Charlie's certainly not. Charlie's a billionaire a couple times over, but he's not 84, 85 billion, 86 billion, whatever Warren is. He just, he just slumming it with a couple billion. Charlie's slumming with a couple billion. Yeah, totally slumming with a couple billion. <laughs> same shirt, same tie, same suit. Gotta love the guy, man. Like, he puts a suit on every day, you know? Guy's like hysterical. Charlie's best, Charlie's got, if anyone hasn't read, has not listened to both Buffett and Munger, I think, are two of the, not only are they some, probably the greatest investing minds of all time, they're also probably some of the clearest thinkers when it comes to just straight common sense. And people look at it and like, well, that makes a lot of sense. What the hell are we doing? Why don't we think of that? And Charlie, more so than Warren, is much more blunt and open about <laughs> pointing out how stupid people are <laughs> and how more complicated they are. So Charlie, and I think we had this on the office whiteboard, and if anyone knows Andrew and I, we are, I should say compound or interest. I'm not sure which one he is again. I have to get back <laughs> to that. I'm not sure. Whatever his nickname is. But, um, the branding, the branding people. We technically actually nickname Andrew Wags, so I probably will call it, I'll call, probably call him Wags a lot more. Probably not the best branding for the outside. Well, that's a wonderful show, though. Anyway, <laughs> the point being is that, um, and if anybody knows what WAGS is on a CMO basis, you'll understand what I'm talking about. But I think in, in Fullerton, or somewhere in, I think in the Fullerton office it was, or maybe mm -hmm. St. I don't remember, 
when we were back on the West Coast all the time, we had I, I put the Charlie's quote on the board. I don't know if you remember yeah. me putting it up there, and I showed it to everybody in the company. And one of Charlie's famous quotes is, uh, "It is," and it actually comes from, you know, his his studies. And he says, "It says it's your highest moral obligation." The, is the highest moral obligation that w any person can have in life is to be the least stupid person <laughs> you can possibly be. <laughs> and so, I mean, he's a promoter of, of lifelong learning and just kind of looking at things from, you know, a factual standpoint and not overcomplicating things and, and breaking it down. And he's a great orator of being able to essentially simplify very, very complex perceived complex situations. Mm -hmm. And I think that I'm certainly not going to say that we are Charlie well, Munger and Warren Buffett for any, I mean, I don't think, that obviously does not do them justice. However, I think the theme and the thought process behind looking at things that most people would perceive as complex and being able to look at simplified solutions for them is, is really the epitome of what we, we do and what, yeah. we're, what we try to do on a daily basis.